Thank you, Jackie. Thank you for joining us for our 115 service. Today we're continuing on with our series through Isaiah. Uh, today we're speaking on chapter 40, and chapter 40 is really the transitional chapter uh, we've been talking about uh, over the last few weeks. We know that Isaiah was split into two parts. The first 39 verses are really what we call the Book of Judgment. The second part, uh, 40 to 66, is really we talked about the Book of Comfort. And so we're at that transitional chapter today just to share some thoughts there. The first part of Isaiah, Judgment. Second part, Comfort. The first part was the sin and retribution. The second part was Isaiah preaching God's message of salvation and redemption. Uh, so just to give you some context, Isaiah 39 ends with this prophetic announcement that the, the Babylonians one day would conquer Jerusalem and the people would be taken into exile. Uh, Judah was celebrating at the moment under King Hezekiah, uh, the downfall of Assyria, but there was a more powerful invader that was coming. Um, all the way through the book of Isaiah, Isaiah has been giving us some description uh, of who God is, what God looks like. Um, we know in Isaiah 6, he shared with him that vision. Um, and so the, the book of judgment is all about what the Lord is doing with his hand. Um, that it would be turned against Judah in chapter 125. It would strike them down in 5 verse 25. It would be raised against them in 9 verse 12. And then chapter 40 really opens with this amazing news that there is a shift of focus away from God's hand of judgment to God's arm of comfort. And really, as we take a look at these chapters, what we're looking at is here, we have to remember that this was originally addressed to a group of discouraged Jewish refugees who simply faced a long journey home from being in exile um, and a difficult task of when they got there of rebuilding Jerusalem. And so God has a message for them and it's a message for us today about being comforted. And we're just going to read the first five verses of chapter 40 that simply says, comfort, comfort my people says your God speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed that her sin has been paid for that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins a voice of one calling in the wilderness prepare the way for the Lord make straight in the desert a highway for our God every valley shall be raised up every mountain and hill made low the rough ground shall become level the rugged places are plain and the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all people will see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken and so the first element in this message of comfort in the are the words in the opening verse and if you remember back to Isaiah chapter 6 when uh, Isaiah has a vision of the angels and they simply repeat three words holy 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 and so at the beginning of Isaiah 40 here it's two words it says comfort comfort and the reason the words are repeated we said was for impact that this was so important that God addresses his people that are coming out of judgment now and that he would be the one that comforts them and so that's the first element of this message um, that Isaiah shares this morning and one of the things I've said all the way through the series is this is God has wanted to address them and, and really and it comes out of this truth now that God wants to comfort them because he simply constantly declared to them that, that you are my people and I am your God 
And I've repeated that a few times because that's a message that Isaiah has been giving the people that simply, you are my people. And even though they've rejected God, they've broken his promises, they've broken the covenants, they've made the mistakes, they've committed the sins, they've rebelled, they've done all the other stuff. God can't just simply let them go. He can't reject them. Simply he looks at them and he sees them as his people. And he wants them to see him as their God. And so that declaration of you are my people and I am your God is runs through the beginning of this passage because the picture has been given of God leaving the people. Uh, but now it's returning that the, the people may have abandoned God and rejected God, but God has never abandoned them uh, and rejected them. He's not rejected uh, them. So they'd sinned greatly against God with their idolatry and their injustice and their immorality, their insensitivity to the messengers like Isaiah, but simply this, that they were still God's people and God loved them. And so this book of comfort begins to talk away about the Messiah that was coming, Jesus, 700 years after. And he will fulfill what simply they had failed at, that the blood that Christ shed on the cross will simply bring the full atonement for sins, will pay for the sin. And this Messiah, this Jesus, will bring that comfort and that forgiveness uh, that is required here. And so those who are humble enough to confess that they are weak and they are sinful, simply they can come to God because remember this is a choice that the people have made. They've simply chosen to reject God and reject his promises and reject his covenant because they thought there's a better way to live and there's not a better way to live. And so the whole theme of the first 39 chapters is almost the wrong choices that have been made by the people. But there's an added extra in these verses that you see there, verse five, when it says, the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all people will see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So Isaiah has a theme that runs through his letter as well that actually the message that he's speaking is not just for the Jewish listeners it's not just for the Jewish people anymore there's a message that is being declared actually for the whole world for for everybody that, that Christ Jesus came into the world because there is a message that is simply for everybody then and it's still everybody now and so the central theme of this chapter is that proclamation of the glory of God and the salvation of people uh, and so I wrote this out to really sum up the first part that simply God is great whether sinful humanity recognizes it or not he unleashes his grace into a sin-cursed, broken world through the Son of God and a mission from God to proclaim the word of God for the glory of God. And so here he's beginning with this message of comfort. And uh, it's so true that in any group waiting to hear God's word, there are always a number of hidden, hurting hearts. I've said this in the first two services, so I have to say it here as well, that over the years I've preached some terrible sermons, I'll be honest with you because you wanted to dazzle people with your theology and your knowledge and what you think you know and actually, and it doesn't relate to anybody, it doesn't speak to anybody, it's not always necessarily what God wants us to say. God wants us to bring a message to people with hurting hearts. There are people with broken hearts and in any audience of people listening to the word of God, there are those there with hidden hurting hearts and 
and with broken hearts. And we have a message, uh, responsibility as well, to preach the word of God to people with broken hearts, to give them the comfort that Isaiah is talking about here, that God has challenged Isaiah to share with the people here. As one preacher put it, if you preach to broken hearts, you'll never lack an audience. And here, Jerusalem, the people, they, they need a word of comfort. And this means that God has comfort to give them. Now, we have to be careful with the message that we preach sometimes because God's comfort is not a hollow, positive thinking. There's a silver lining behind every cloud or keep your eye on the light at the end of the tunnel. That's not preaching the message that God wants to, us to share with people. That, that's not the, the message because, you see, we often talk about this and we make promises to people that God will deliver you and God will rescue you and God will do this for you. And, and often when that doesn't happen, people feel let down by God. They feel that their, their hope has been wasted and that. And I often share with people, and it's so true as I read this, when you come to comfort people, listen, the comfort of God is found in the truth that God is always with you. He is always with you. Whatever circumstance or situation that you are facing today, God is with you. I, I don't know when you may be delivered from that, rescued from that trouble, that adversity dealt with. I don't know that, but I do know this with an absolute conviction that whatever you're going through, God is with you. He's with you all the way. That light at the end of the tunnel is not Christian teaching. The one who is with you all the way through the tunnel is Christian teaching because God is with you wherever you face. And so God always gives his people reasons for comfort. He wants to comfort his people. And so he tells Isaiah here to, to speak tenderly. Uh, and to speak tenderly simply means to speak to the heart. You know, this is, this is God wanting to, them to understand the personal message of saying something to the heart. And there are some examples in, in the Old Testament. And the first one is, is like a young man wooing his girl. Now, wooing your girl is when you first set eyes on the one that you loved, that you wanted to make sure that you were saying something nice and sweet to them. So some of you remember back that far now? Okay, then. So that, that's what that means, that you're saying something. You, you probably use the modern term. Of, of chatting somebody up, that would be the word that would use. I'm too old at this now, I've been married too long, but that's the idea. That's the idea that somebody who spoke kindly to the young woman um, in Genesis 34, verse 3. But Ruth 2, verse 13, it says, like someone bringing reassurance. Ruth 2, verse 13 says, For you have comforted me and have spoken kindly to your maidservant. And then the third one is like a deserted husband seeking to win his wife back. Hosea 2, verse 14, Therefore, behold, I will allure her, bring her into the wilderness, and speak comfort to her. It's words that are spoken from the heart here. God wants to speak tenderly to the heart. He wants to say something to the brokenhearted people that, that are returning. And those are three examples of what it, what it really means, that the right words being said at the right time, and how it's true that we as preachers and messengers of God must always speak to broken hearts today. You know, God wants Isaiah to tell them how determined he is to assure them of his forgiveness. Because one of the problems here with the remnant, the group of Judah that are exiled, that are coming home, they, they simply need to hear that message. 
And often the message that we have to share with people and when you sit with people sometimes and they're heartbroken about the mistakes that they've made and they're heartbroken about the things that they've done and you have to say to people, you know, God forgives you. He does, he forgives you. And often what people want to do is some form of punishment upon themselves to say, well, if I just punish myself this way, then God will accept me more. He, he, he won't. He forgives you. Because the things that you have done wrong, the sins that you and I have committed, the mistakes that we've made, the brokenness that we feel, he took upon the cross with him and died on the cross for you and me because he loved us. And we look at it and think, well, I need to just, I don't know that if I'm forgiven. And there may be people in here this morning as there were in the first two services. And simply, you just need to be told that God forgives you because he loves you. You've made a mistake. He said, get, up, get on with it because God loves you and he forgives you this morning. And that's a message that God told Isaiah to tell the people. He said the judgment and the punishment was over. But now they had to know this, that it was now time to move on and be comforted by God because God had a plan. And he, God wanted to see his crushed people, uh, those who had suffered and those who had been under the judgment. He wanted them to understand that they could now be comforted by him because he loved them and he cared for them. And so we come to this bit where we look and see that to give us comfort is actually the task of the Trinity, which is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And we see this here in Scripture. We see that in 2 Corinthians 1, verse 3 and 4, it tells us the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. This is God the Father, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort. And, and, and I've said already that this is the ministry of the church. If somebody says to me, well, what does the church do? Well, this is what the church does. The church has been comforted. Me and you have been comforted by God. We reach out to people with the comfort that God has given us to comfort other people. That's a challenge for us here, but God the Father is the one who is the God of all comfort. But it goes beyond that because it tells us of his son Jesus. And Isaiah 61 verse 2, it simply says to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion. And so we not only see that it's the role, the function of the Father, but we see it's the ministry of the Son as well, that Jesus actually stood up in Luke chapter 4 at the beginning of his ministry, and he repeated those words from Isaiah because it was his ministry to go and to comfort people. If you read the Gospels, you can see the comfort that he gives to people who are brokenhearted, people who are just the dregs of society and Jesus is the one who comes along and he gives them comfort to the deaf, to the blind, to those who need healing, to the outcasts of society. It's the ministry of the Son. But then we see then that the Holy Spirit as well as the ministry, the presence of being a comforter because John 14 verse 26 tells us this. But the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Jesus is sitting in the upper room the night before he goes to the cross. The last words that he has to say to his disciples are incredibly important. What's the words that he says to them? He says, listen, when I go, there'll be one that comes after me. He's called the Holy Spirit. 
He'll be a comforter. Who's a comforter? The comforter is the one who's by your side through everything that they had to go through. And so we see here that his purpose of the Holy Spirit was to be a presence. And it says it would teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. And I've often said this before, that often we hear people, or oh, do something new, do something fresh, do something. Jesus tells the disciples that actually the Holy Spirit is there to remind us of the stuff that Jesus has already said. He said this, and so for the disciples, as they're going to go out and face the trouble and the adversity and the persecution and every situation and circumstance that they face, he says God gives them the Holy Spirit to be a, a comforter, to be the one that reminds them of the things that Jesus has already said. And so the fourth thing we see, which I had on here, was the word, because Romans 15, verse 4, simply says this, it says, For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we, through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. What does that mean? It means the Word of God, the Bible, has been given for your, as a mind, comfort. You see, and we must understand this, when, when there's no podcast to listen to, and there's nothing on the God channel, and there's no books to read, and a friends aren't answering the phone, and every other thing that we might use, God gives us the Word, His Bible, as a comfort to help us through the circumstances and the situations that we need every day. And so therefore, that's why we must read it daily. We mustn't just read it when we get into trouble. We just must read it. We don't eat when we're hungry. We, we must eat three meals a day to keep us healthy, to keep us spiritually healthy. We must stay in the Word. And here, I see this, that, that God as a function the function, his role, one of his attributes is to be the one that comforts you and me. He gives us his son who has a ministry of comforting those who mourn. He gives us his Holy Spirit which has a presence of comfort for you and me to walk by our side and then he gives us the word to be an encouragement every day in our comfort and so we can be comforted by all of these uh, all of these people the word as well that you can pray to God to either deliver you from the trouble or to be with you and help you in the midst of it you know Rebecca said it at the end of the worship and Jackie spoke it when he was at the table he, he said Paul writes this letter from a, from to the Philippians and he writes it from inside a prison cell you know, and, and you know, he writes Philippians from inside a prison cell and they say that Philippians is the most encouraging letter you can read in the Bible. That doesn't make any sense. I know if I was in prison, the last thing I would want to do is encourage anybody. Why does Paul want to do that? Because he understands this, that regardless of the circumstance of being in prison, that God is still with him. You know, God is still with him. It's not when he's going to get out of prison or when he's going to get rescued. God is with him in the circumstance that he's facing. When Rebecca shared about us, us passing through the waters, you know, that God is simply with us. No matter how deep the water is, no matter if it's a flood, no matter what happens, the truth is this, that God is always with us. And that's the truth that we hold on to in everything that we do. And if you're saying to me, yeah, but Matt, that, that, what's that got to do with Isaiah? Well, if you look at the people in Isaiah, he said, you know, they, they've been in trouble, they've been in adversity, they've been in slavery, they've been in exile, and they've been in captivity, and they've known judgment. And through all of those circumstances, God has been with them. 
that's the truth of it. God has been with them. And often the seeds of comfort are always best planted in the soil of trouble. We do not often escape trouble, but we always find God's comfort as we face it. God had in mind the work of Christ on the cross. As in verse 3, it says, A voice of one crying in the wilderness. It says, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. It's a prophecy that's repeated in all four Gospels by John the Baptist, who was a forerunner to Christ. And as one proclaiming, as one crying out in the wilderness, because when Jesus came, it was coming as a, a hope to the world. He was coming as one that was to make everything level and to make everything fair. And John the Baptist was the one that came before and is preaching a message of repentance for sin and the coming of the Messiah. In John 1.29, John the Baptist sees Jesus coming over the hill and he shouts out, behold. And when he said behold, it meant there was an announcement to be made. He says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And you see, at time, most people thought that doesn't make any sense. But, but to the Jewish people, that would have made sense because the Lamb of God was what was sacrificed at the Passover for the sins that they had committed. And it kept them right for another year. He was Jesus Christ. Uh, and he's using the image of the Lamb of God and that takes away the sin of the world. And when Jesus took away the sin of the world, it wasn't for the next 12 months, it was forever. It was our once for all sacrifice. They would have understood that because they understood what was written in the past. And so it speaks in the end of the passage about the leveling of the mountains was done by blasting away simply at those who simply felt no need of a savior. Those people who thought, well, I don't need a savior. I'm good enough as it is. I'm not as bad as the, her or him sitting next to me. You know, I don't need a savior. But then the raising of the valleys was simply meant that those, it was giving hope to those people who simply, no savior was possible. That they were just destined for, they were just destined for hell at the end because their lives were so bad, they were so miserable, they'd done so many things wrong. And yet Jesus comes and he simply makes the, the, the path straight. He makes the ground level. This is a wonderful thing about coming to do the table on the Sunday because for all of us as we've come to do this this morning, there's one thing that's so true is that we come to it equally. We come to it equally. The, the, it doesn't matter whether you're a pastor, it doesn't matter whether you've been saved for five minutes. It doesn't matter whether you've worked in the church or whether you've never done anything in the church. It doesn't matter what you've done. It says if you've accepted Christ as your personal savior, we come equally to this. That's the raising of the ground to make it level for everybody. So we can't turn around and say nobody has a place in it. We can simply say if you've accepted Christ, everybody has a place in it. And that's the good news of what's being said here in these passages and that. And we have to preach that same message today. Somebody said the message of us today as preachers is this, to disturb the comfortable and comfort the disturbed. Because verse 5 gives the centerpiece of the gospel. The glory of the Lord will be revealed. The message and the mission of Jesus, that is. And all people will see it together. You see, for us today, I don't know your circumstance today, but I do know this, that God will give you comfort today. And if you want to know where you see the greatest display of God's comfort, the attributes of God displayed in all its splendor, then you look at the cross of Christ, because there you see his love, his mercy, his grace, his wisdom, his power, his wrath, his justice, his patience, his faithfulness, but you see his comfort as well. 
Because it's God's desire today in your situation, in your circumstance, to comfort you today. I wish I could give people the answer to when God delivers them and rescues them, but I can't. But I can give them this assurance that God is with you no matter what it is that you are going through. If you are going through that dark tunnel, you can't see any light. Don't worry about not seeing the light. God is with you. Everything that you are going through, God is with you. And he gives you an assurance of his presence because he is the comforter. And he gives the ministry of his son is one to be a comfort to you he gives the presence of his holy spirit to walk by your side every day as a comforter and he gives you the encouragement of the word to comfort you in everything that we face and as we come this morning this afternoon i keep done this in every service so far i can't tell you what time of day it is (laughs) but do know this he says this that god is the one who comforts you today in everything that you are going through. He's a God of all comfort. We preach a message to the broken hearts because he is the repairer and the healer of broken hearts this morning. Let us just take a moment to pray. Father, we thank you this morning. And we just ask, Lord, that you would just be a comfort to those today, Lord, who need you because their hearts are broken. Because, Father, their hearts are hurting. And the promise of of your word is this, that you are the God of all comfort. Your son has the ministry of comfort. Your Holy Spirit has the presence of comfort. And your word gives the encouragement of comfort. And Father, for each and every person in here today whose head is bowed, who is here because God, we want you to say something to them. We just pray, Father God, that you would be the answer to their prayers, the comfort in their adversity, that you would be the encouragement in their distress, that, God, that you would give them everything they need today. Would you be their comfort today? In Jesus' name, amen.